my name is Nick Alamonos, and today I am with... Uh, You're with Heather. With, with Heather, yes. And uh, I am a writer. I'm the author of the Anya series, and uh, Heather is a, an avid book reader and intellectual, and I don't know how, how else would you like to, uh, to describe yourself? Um, you know, I just, I dabble in things. Yeah. Art, what? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I like all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a stay at home person, so yeah. I don't get out very much. And you're very I have all sorts of things that's here to occupy. Yeah. Me. Well, you're very yeah. You're very well read, more so than me. I try to read as much as I can, but I, I think you have me beat. And uh, I spend a lot of free time. That's all. Maybe, maybe. So, um, so this uh, podcast is all about books and uh, literature and of all sorts. And um, what I'd like to do is instead of just looking at why we like a book or don't like a book. I'd like to try to tie it into the culture, into, you know, things that are going on the world mm -hmm. around us, uh, because I think storytelling is important. And I, I think it's a way for us to um, understand life better, you know? So oh, yeah. you, you agree to that? Okay. All right, good. Um, yeah. So, Okay. So, um, and this is our first podcast, so if we sound terrible, uh, bear with us. We, we're going to get better. We're going to get more professional. <laughs> yeah, we'll get better eventually. <laughs> the, the secret is, is that we actually tried this several years ago, and we gave up because we couldn't figure out the audio. And we, yeah, we're and, and we were both just really busy, and we said, forget it. And we gave up. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And then I had a rough. Then I had a rough patch, and I know you had a really like busy couple of years. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. There was lots going on, and yeah. you had a book published, and then. Yes. Yeah. You know, I just so, kind of got a little bit more sick <laughs> with the migraines and everything right, after right. my sleep change. So. Right. But um. Okay. So anyway. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, would you like to start? Uh, let us know what you look for in a, in a great book, or uh, or should I start? Yeah, uh, let's talk about. Um, yeah, let's talk about what I think makes a great book. Okay. Well, first of all, I really have to have the compelling characters, and uh, not only the characters, but I think there has to be like a compelling mythology behind it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm definitely a fan of you know, really skilled technical writing. I really dig yeah. it nicely, you know, even if I don't think the book was really great, if it has, you know, a great technical basis, you know, the author is like just really good at putting the words down. Sure, um, sure. You know, that's definitely a plus for me. So the story can yeah. stink, but if it's got, yeah, yeah. you know, a concept there that is well written, then I think I can generally get behind the concept and go, oh, yeah, I see where this is going. So, right. yeah, I actually read a lot of books that are probably not actually very good books in the end, but <clears throat> so. Well, yeah, well, I, I don't like it when people say, I remember for the longest time, uh, one of my favorite authors is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and yes. I remember for the longest time, people were calling him a bad writer, like, like he's like he's fun to read, but he's a bad writer. And I'm like, what does that, what does that even mean? You know, what does it mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Why is he a bad writer? And it, like I read in the magazine, he was America's best bad writer. And I'm like, that. What is that? And I think it's just these <laughs> these arbitrary um, rules uh, about what you know constitutes good writing. And I don't mm -hmm. I don't like that. I believe that a great writer can break all the conventional rules and and be a good writer and and one day I you know I walked into Barnes and Noble and and I saw they have a classic section you know where they have all the the yes. great authors mm -hmm. of the past and here's HP Lovecraft in your know, leather bound edition and I'm thinking to myself yes. the guy's been dead for 70 years people still love him people still talk about him they talk about yes. him a lot more than Hemingway who you know, at the time, Hemingway is was like the model for good fiction. But who talks about Hemingway nowadays? You know, nobody talks about Hemingway. 
unless you're in a unless you're in a university studying literature, you know Hemingway doesn't come up too often. But but Lovecraft, oh my God, people adore Lovecraft. So if that's a bad writer, shit, I'd love to be that kind of bad writer. I'd I'd be thrilled (laughs) to. So yeah, and I mean he influenced so many other authors right after. Oh, he influenced Robert E. Howard and probably yeah responded frequently. Uh huh. Yeah, Robert Howard is another bad writer, by the way, uh, according to the Uh, yeah terrible the snobby (laughs) the the snobby elite. I don't know why they say that because it doesn't have like you know like character development in some cases it doesn't have your plot i see this a lot in youtube yeah where you have this is how you tell a good story and this is how you tell a story is bad and i'm like no like if you enjoy it it's good this is really my criteria i have reasons why i enjoy a story it might be different from why you enjoy a story or someone else enjoys a story but yeah, I just get, I get really upset when people say this is objectively bad. Like, no, like it's not objective. <laughs> Nothing can be objectively yeah. bad, you know. Like, you don't know yeah, what the definition of that word means, you know. Like, it could just mm-hmm. anyway. So yeah, I, I tend to get a little passionate. I get on my little soapbox, and so stop me if I if I rant if I'm ranting. No, um, no, I agree because I read all different types of books, and I just don't really think there's a style of book that yeah. I find more compelling than another. It's just like if it's a well-written book, and I like what's going on in it, you know, more often than not, you know, if it can capture me, then you know, I'm, I, I consider myself a pretty easy reader. I mean, I definitely have nose, but. Um, you know, my biggest, I mean, I'm just like a huge fan of weird stories and science fiction. So, you know, yeah. for me, it, you know, and, and the old stuff, I like the hard stuff and I do like some of the new stuff. Um, but, you know, very much a classic science fiction <laughs> fan. Yeah, me, me too. Like, yeah, when I got out of, uh, I actually had to teach myself to try to appreciate the modern uh, books because my first book, The Dark Age of Enya, was very much like in the style of the, the Robert Howard and the um, mm-hmm. and the um, um, God the guy who wrote uh, a Princess of Mars and Tarzan. Um, oh, his name escapes me. Yeah, Edgar Rice Is Burroughs. Very Edgar much Rice like, right. Burroughs. William Burroughs yeah. Lunch, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was very much yeah, into yeah, yeah. the Edgar Rice that style, and then I sort of like. You know, but everyone was talking about Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones this and Game of Thrones that. So I read Game of Thrones and then I said, oh, you know, my book isn't anything like Game of Thrones. It's it's a, such a different style. And I felt bad and I felt like, wow, I, maybe I should write more like this, you know. But But yeah. the more I read, the more I realized, actually, there's all kinds of ways to write. There's no wrong or right way to write, you know, like you could write like George R. Martin and that might be great mm-hmm. for him, you know, but other people might have, you know, one character in their story and right. and, and it might be totally different. So it, it just really depends on. Right. Just like um, The Road. Oh, God. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, I love I love <laughs> yeah. The Road. And, I love uh, it too, but I'll never read it again. And I'll never watch the movie ever again either. I watched. I just yeah. can't handle it. It right, but but you can't handle it like in a good way, right? Not like this right. is such crap. I can't read it. Like it's no, yeah. See, that's that's okay. So I think you hit it on the head. For me, the very best books uh, moves you emotionally. You know, yeah, that, very like that's where the magic I think of of fiction is because when you're reading a story, you know, like like I wept reading like Watership Down. You know. And Watership Down is is a book about rabbits, right? And you would yeah. think, you know, they're just rabbits, right? I mean, who cares? But but it's such a powerful story that's so well written. And at the end of it, you know, I'm crying over a rabbit, you know. But it's because uh, yeah. it's the it's the magic of words. You know, this rabbit didn't. It wasn't even a real rabbit. This, this rabbit didn't even exist. You know, but yeah, I'm crying it over. It was a good story, though. I mean, it had so much going on in it, and it, it yeah. just yeah. I had I had teared up at the end of that too. Yeah, and I asked right over the last unicorn. So that that love me, and I love the last <laughs> love the see, and that's the thing I yeah. think when you like you could turn on 
the news and hear that, oh, you know, 500,000 people died of COVID. Okay. I feel nothing, uh, right? Feel nothing, right? Because it's just, it's just a, it's just an information block. Like there's no humanity behind that. Like who are these people? What are their names? You know, we don't know these people, but, but if, but if you could know one of these people, right? If you could like experience someone who died, you know, if it was a, if it became personal to you, then it, 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 it then you, you, you feel emotional. So I think, and I think that's what books do is that they, you know, it's like, I remember the whole Titanic thing when everyone's like, oh, the, the boat sunk, who cares, get over it. I'm like, it's not about a boat sinking. It's not, the, that's not the point. It, it, Titanic was by, f- like, not even close to the most tragic thing that happened on Earth. It was that it was a movie that, that, that artistically expressed something that was sad. It was the art that moved you. It wasn't that a boat sank, you know? I can, um, no, I, 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 can, I actually I can agree cut. with the point you're making. I can cut um, Yeah, and I, I like my characters to have a broad range um, to be put in their shoes. Uh, but I'm also a big fan of, you know, pulp literature. And that's not always very character-driven. You know, sure. it's more event-driven. Sure. And uh, it just, you know, the characters are only there to fulfill a specific purpose. And then after that, they're just kind of throwaway characters. And, you know, that's a nice little break um, from time to time. But, yeah, I mean, a huge reason to read is to figure out that you can be more empathetic to situations in real life when you're put into the place of that character and you're made to feel what they're feeling. And, you know, to a certain extent, especially if the story continues on through a few books, you know, that character might change and develop and mature and, you know, their, their life experiences will help them develop their characters their adult characters or their you know more mature characters and right. I think that's the sign of a good writer is when your characters develop along a certain line and they're not just static you know they're learning their lessons and taking their hits on the chin and and yeah I mean the news is just you know so much news is just driven with hyperbole these days they want to evoke an emotional reaction but it's often at the expense of things like facts and sure, you know, sure yeah. um, comprehension of the material that they're reporting on. Uh, that's a huge one, <laughs> especially yeah. in science literature. Nothing drives me more crazy. Sure. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, um, I, yeah. Well, to try to tie that into, into literature, I, it seems, I think counterintuitive to some people who don't read a lot, but I actually think that there's a like a greater truth to be found in fiction because first of all, when you're reading a book, the you know the author has the the honesty of being forthcoming about you know this is this is a story you know he's not no this really happened although there did happen some of the older books like Gulliver's Travels was reported as a true story I think and. And, you know, but, you know, and even even Edgar Rice Burroughs actually tried to hint that some of his books were true stories, but that doesn't happen anymore. And I think that, you know, you read a fictional account and I think there is a different kind of truth that is being um, that is being addressed, which it's it's kind of it's getting to the truth of of life, uh, you know, the truth of the, the emotions that exist, you know, so maybe, you know, the rabbits and the watership down were real, but, you know, rabbits exist and suffering exists and people exist and, you know, and it's addressing those things that often we don't really have a sense of experiencing that um, when we're just getting facts from the news, you know, this happened, okay, but that that doesn't really explain to us how to feel, you know. Well, right, so. and people who are just watching the news and they're not really taking in any other information are not necessarily getting the emotional impact of it. I think we're always very sympathetic to somebody who is going through something on the news or who may have experienced something terrible, but, you know, until you really 
you know, see what someone has written about their experiences and how harrowing it may have been or how beautiful it may have been. You know, you can never truly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's definitely definitely good, uh, an excellent guide because especially I think you can read people who are like, I don't necessarily agree with Anne Rand, but I've read her, you know, a couple of her books and uh-huh. it's always interesting to see where somebody else's point of view come from, it comes from. And I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to silence those, you know, older books and no, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm ugly things yeah. we don't like. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's just a fact of life. No, and, I'm totally against any kind of censorship, but I think yeah. I think the best remedy for bad ideas is is good ideas. You know, so mm-hmm. instead of saying you shouldn't read that or that shouldn't be published or whatever, I think it should be like, okay, let that be published, but we should have the opposite viewpoint, uh, you know, uh, shown, and then whatever the best idea is, the one that wins. So. I remember you telling me that you liked some of Anne Rand's books, and I had to resist immediately unfriending you. And then, no, no, that, no, that's a joke. And um, but, but, but what I say, my counter book to that, this isn't something that comes up a lot, but, but my my counter book to that is Steinbeck's uh, The Grapes of Wrath. You know, uh-huh. where you know that The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, although, you know, I read it in high school and it had a very powerful impact on me. And it was only later until I got into college that I kind of realized that it's a bit of a socialist book, you know. And I don't think that's a bad word, but it really goes to show that if you have a bunch of millionaires in the country and at the same time you have people starving to death, there's a problem there. That 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 is an issue. And, oh, yeah. you know, and of course, yeah. I read about the Great Depression in high school in the history class. And I was like, OK, that, you know, that that sucked. But it was really only until I read The Grapes of Wrath that I really felt the pain and the struggle of people who through really through no fault of their own. It's not because they were lazy. It's not because they don't want to work. It's right. and that they suffered and they died and they, they literally sorry, spoiler alert, but. Literally, these people starved to death, and it was horrible. And 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 it just it's it it really that book changed my life. You know, changed the right. way I think about things. It, it changed my political position, um, which I think for me those are the very best books. You know, the books that actually change your life. And I think a really great book has the power to do that. You yeah. Know? No, I think so, you're right. I mean, just. Thanks for not unfriending me, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> yeah, no, I've read some pretty terrible books in, in my time with terrible, you know, like, premises and stuff like that. And, you know, for me, as long as the, you know, the storyline is good and I can be compelled to read it, the writing is fine, I can be compelled to read it, you know, it's, for me, it doesn't necessarily lack anything. Um, it's just she had such a different way of thinking about you know, <laughs> where, you know, the, the brightest and best in our country are also the most beautiful and the most glamorous, and they are completely entitled to everything they've built, you know, sure. and <laughs> at the yeah. end, they... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, and then, I'm so sorry, but I, there's just like a... You know, I, I can disagree with it from here to kingdom come, but I can still read it. You know, and I think Upton, you made a mention of, um, you know, The Grapes of Wrath as a socialist book. Well, you know, people who don't finish reading Upton Sinclair's The Jungle don't realize that, you know, <laughs> there's a good, the entire book is a plea for, you know, a socialist government oh see i haven't read yeah i haven't read that so i i don't know but uh yeah i read it a long time ago Um, we read excerpts out of it and i think Uh my sociology class Uh so when i had you know moved on and started going to college i thought well i should probably read the jungle you know so i did it and i was surprised because i had never you know i didn't really know uh you know any of these concepts by which he was talking and you know, by the time I got finished with that book, because it was just 
full of all these terrible things that these people went through and survived while they were coming into America and trying to make ends meet and just how vicious like the meat packing and the slaughter industry really was and how hard it was on these individuals coming in from, you know, Europe, Eastern Europe. And it, it it just really opened my eyes. Sure. Sure. You know, right. It's just even more, you know, America was built on suffering and these people. And then today you look at it and it's like, Oh my God, we're almost, (laughs) you know, did you ever think you would be living in a time where, you know, our inequity just seems as disparate as it was. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. in that same time, yeah, could, we yeah. should be above that. We should be past that. Our technology is such that we can sustain people, but. Right. You know, but yeah, <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree. Uh, however, and, and here's the thing, I don't want to really knock a book I haven't read. So I haven't read, uh, I haven't read Ayn Rand. I haven't read um, Atlas Shrugged. Um, so, you know, maybe if I read that, I'd be like, hey, you know, she makes a good point or this is a good, well-written story. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to be judgmental if I haven't read something. Um, and I think that's another thing uh, people need to do. I think people just need to, to just, like, you know, like when I argue with certain conservatives, like my brother's very conservative, and mm-hmm. I realized that arguing with him was kind of pointless because he yeah. he didn't have... Like, everything he knew came from Fox News, you know? Like, I would say something, and then he would say, yeah, but Fox News, blah, blah, blah. And then, and what I realized is people just need a base of knowledge. They just need a base. of. So instead of saying, coming out and, and telling someone, you know, you should be more liberal and read these books to be more liberal, I don't think that's the right approach. I just think people just need to be more knowledgeable in general. Just, just learn as much as you can, read as much as you can. And then, hopefully, the truth will come out of that, you know, out of that just right. just gathering of knowledge. You'll just, you know, come to your own conclusions. And typically, I think that, you know, it's like people say, uh, you know, col- you go to college and they brainwash you to be liberal. A lot of my <laughs> professors were really conservative, really co- like. Like, I had this one professor that wouldn't stop talking about gun rights and how, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, owning a gun. And I never really, I never got a sense that I was being indoctrinated to be liberal. You know, yeah. uh, it, it was more that they were like, here, here's the information. Take, take what you will from it. And, and what comes out of that, it tends to be more liberal than more conservative. But, you know, that's not to say that conservatives don't have a point. And I do think we need, oh, absolutely. you know, we do, we yeah. we need the Bill Gates of the world, and we need the Steve Jobses yeah. of the world, and uh, and you know, we need those uh, elite people that uh, you know make the world a better place. Absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, anyway, not to I, I don't want to get too political here. So um, I just wanted to say um, the things I look for in a, in a book. Um, like you said, you know, I like, uh, you know, of course, you know, the typical good character development, good plot. I almost feel that we've seen this trend lately where um, a modern trend where almost every book is about character, 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 character. And yes. I'm not knocking them, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I kind of see how that kind of developed because back in the old days, um, you know, books, there was one book. It's like you had, uh, you know, you had um, The Grapes of Wrath and that was it. There was no sequel. There was no spinoff. There was no mm-hmm. prequel. It was just one and done, you know. And so I think that what um, authors were thinking more about the plot. And nowadays, yes. because we want to have sequels and spinoffs and remakes and, and all this stuff, it's almost like readers are reading a book because they like the character and not necessarily like they want to know more about what, where's, where's the character going. So, and I, and I think that's, there's pluses and minuses to that, but so I think character is important, but I also think sometimes plot kind of gets shoved to the side and it isn't as focused on as it used to be, which is a lament that, that I have. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can definitely understand that because, well, I mean, even in a lot of young adult literature, it's very character-focused and driven. And that's okay. I, I don't, you know, it's it's good, these 
these are kids growing up and learning how to deal with reality and you know that's fine it, you see your favorite characters and stuff like this but I'm just like not the person who gets so attached to a character in a book I mean I do sometimes in a lot of books but then I get to the point where I'm like well, I don't really have a crush on this character or anything like that. Even as a girl, I wasn't like, oh, I'm reading this because I'm totally crushing on, you know, whomever in the book. (laughs) You know, I just want to read my book and get through it and stuff like that. You know, I think maybe I've only loved three characters in a book, like, where I just was in love with them and very sympathetic with them. But uh, that's tough for me, too, you know what I mean? Um, But I don't... You know, I read a lot of Philip K. Dick books. He's my favorite author. So a I, lot okay. of his stories I, I are like, more plot-driven. They, they are. Characters. They are. Yeah, yeah. And I and I like Philip yeah. K. Dick. I do think he deserves the award for worst uh, titles of books because <laughs> his titles that. are so I bizarre. I disagree with you. <laughs> I really, it tickles me, but that's my... They're that's just my so weird. No, I, I'm not knocking the author. I just think his titles no, no, no. Are, are insane. But, uh, you know, what was it? Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? That's, Do that's, Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Or something sheep. like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be a short story. But they're just so weird. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know. Uh, the man, you know, the, okay, The Man in the High Castle, right? That's, uh-huh. a, that's a cool title. But, but if, you, if I were to, I'm sure if I were to ask 10 people, what, does, what do you think this book is about, The Man in the High Castle? I don't think anybody would tell me what it's actually about. Well, it's clearly uh, about, you know, a alternate reality where the Nazis won World War II. No one's going to say that. They're going to say, well, it's a fantasy. It's a, no one's going to say the man what it's about. It's weird titles. But again, I do like the author, so I'm not criticizing you. Just, just saying, <laughs> no, I like just Philip K. Dick. Titles, and sometimes they just seem kind of stuck on, but that's okay strange. because I've read so many of his books at this point. I'm just used to it. Sure. And eventually you get to that place in the book, and he's definitely got the whole, you know, the title is definitely a play on something happening in the book. So, I mean, yeah. the film on Tears, the policeman said, was another one that just had this really weird, like, title. And you wouldn't know, again, what the book was based on the title. And, yeah. you know, it takes the entire book to get to that payoff, so My Tears, yeah. the policeman said. And yeah. I thought it was a good, but it was still a really good book, you know. And again, not no, very character-driven. Sure, yeah. And sometimes, they, you know, people complain that his women are one way or another and never this way. And, you know, but his, his male characters also fall really flat and kind of two dimensional one time, Sure, you know, both times. And even though they're the leading <clears throat> protagonists and so, but it, for a bit of trippy escapism, I, uh, it's my goal to get through a hundred percent of his oh, okay. <laughs> work. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I'm working really hard on that, and but okay. you know who knows if I'll ever get finished. But I have made my way through a ton of stuff. I'm, I'm sure you will make it because you read a lot. But uh, but but anyway, that actually makes me think. Another thing I wanted to say is that, and I think people that don't read a lot may not be aware of this. There are certain literary trends that, um, like like if you look at my, um, if you go to writersdisease.net uh, that's my blog and I have mm-hmm. a, a section Nick's Picks where I have all my book reviews and yeah, I, I it's, a cool, it's a cool blog yeah thank yeah. you and I talk yeah. about books and I have a list of reviews but I organize them by date so you know it, it starts with um, with um, Frankenstein which was written in 1818 all the way to Circe which was written in 2018 that's uh, coincidence uh-huh. Is exactly a two hundred years, and uh, and I, and I think it's important to look at the time because I think people don't realize that there are certain literary trends that come and go, and so when you have people that say, "Well, this is how a book should be written," it should it should be written like this. Like you 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 should have like I've seen advice where people say like, "Don't philosophize," and I'm like, "Well, that's one of my favorite things in a book is philosophy," and if I read a book that doesn't have a more meaningful point to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't enjoy that. And I'm not saying that, you know, every book should have philosophy, but 
the people that are saying that a book should be a certain way, I often feel like you just haven't read enough books because there's so many books out there. Whatever you think a book should be, I guarantee you there's a book out there that is popular and, and well-known that isn't doing that thing that you're saying all books should do. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So oh, yeah. it's I just, mean, uh, it's just, yeah, like, there are just too many books out there. And it's like, yeah. well, if you don't like this one, you might like that one. And, you know, so kind of like, I like to joke about, you know, I'm not reading this. It's a New York times bestseller, but hardy har, I've read plenty of New York times bestsellers, you sure. know, that I thought, well, this is good. And then you turn around and you're like, well, this is, feels like trash, so I don't know what they're doing up there. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot tell you how aggravated I get when I read a book that's really popular and everybody loves it, and then and I read it and I'm like, oh my God, I don't like this, and I have all these reasons why I don't like it, but I guess someone likes it, so, you know, but, but it, it's, it's, it's frustrating for me, so... Um, but you know, you know, if there was a way, if there is a, a set of guidelines that would always guarantee a great fiction, uh, then I think everybody would produce great fiction. But but there isn't, so which is why that doesn't work. I mean, there's certain things. The other thing I wanted to mention that you talked about earlier is books being well written, and I do think that's something that a lot of books nowadays are lacking. Uh, they're lacking, uh, you know beautiful prose, which is just something that, again, a lot of the stuff comes from the publisher. Uh, by the way, my perspective is going to be more as a writer, I think. Yours will be mm-hmm. more from the reader perspective, I think. But, but you know, a lot of, you know, I've heard this advice show, don't be philosophical and then don't, you know, don't write beautiful uh, prose or don't try to be poetic because people don't like that anymore. And that really frustrates me because if I read a book where it's just really, really dry, where it's just kind of like, you know, this happens and that happens, and it's just very uh-huh. dry. I don't enjoy it, and and, and it's, yeah. it's hard for me to read it. So, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I just, I get annoyed when people say, so, and I almost feel like authors that do want to be poetic, they almost have to hide their poetry. They almost have to, like, kind of make it more subtle and kind of, like, you know, don't, don't bring it up too much, you know, because otherwise... Don't make it, yeah, they, I think the kids call that making it purple <laughs> when you throw in all the, the lyrical qualities and yeah kind of yes so have a little bit in it. yeah like like you brought up the road and the road is a good example because it's like super mm-hmm. dry 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 and although i think he, the author is very clever by the way i love uh cormac mccarthy I believe his name is love that author yes. and um and what i notice is in the road it's really dry like just dries as can be and then every now and then he'll just throw out this beautiful passage and you're like whoa where'd that come from you know and it almost like enhances you know the poetry mm. when it comes out you know well, right so well, he, I mean, they're, they're in this like super bleak world so exactly once in a while having this like really you know nicely written paragraph is like well you can still appreciate a little bit of beauty in the world but the light is going out, you know? Exactly, exactly. Like, I think the writing actually, uh, it it actually, it doesn't just tell you what's happening, but the style actually gives you a sense of the world. You know, it's like like the writing style Mm -hmm. reflects the world that it's in. And those are the kinds of things that I just don't think people, maybe they don't appreciate as much. Um, And I do because, I don't know, I went to, college and studied this stuff you know i don't know but i i just tend to appreciate it um like like one book that everyone loves to death and i'm not a huge fan of is um is of course uh, game of thrones and um yeah. and i did i did read two and a half books so i've read two thousand pages of game of thrones mm-hmm. and you know I, the guy i'm not saying he's a bad writer i very much admire his uh the size of his world, the, 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 just the the number of characters he makes, and just the number of places, right. and it's it's mind boggling. I don't think I could not create such a, a a rich world. But my problem is, I feel like none of it means anything. It's it's just like 
It's just like, you know, it's what I call realist fiction. It's just like, this is just what happens. And there's no, there's no like deeper meaning to anything. And, um, and I, I don't like that. And a lot of people compare him to Tolkien, to Lord of the Rings. And, you know, on the surface, they're similar, right? Like, like they, they have the, they're dressed up in the same, uh, the same, you know, clothing kind of, uh, the same set dressing. But, but, but Tolkien was a romantic. He was a deeply romantic writer. And, uh, and, and George R. Martin is not. So, and, and I'm, I consider myself a romantic, not romantic in lovey sense, but in the literary tradition of romantic. Sure. So, and, and it's just a preference. I'm not saying everyone should think that way, but I'm just pointing oh, sure. out that a lot of people don't realize Tolkien was a romantic. He was very different than Martin in their, in their styles, even though they wrote about similar subject matter. So, right. You, you well, I, I have read all of the Game of Thrones books and I have watched the shows and I'm definitely a fan. Um, you know, and I like honestly didn't mind the ending of the show. A lot of people had a problem with it, but I'm just going to throw that out there okay. because I, I really don't know what people expected. We, prob- anyway, we probably just lost. We probably just lost a bunch of, of listeners. We probably off. Oh, screw this. I probably did. Cancel. I don't know what's happening. Uh, she's a, she's uns- a Martin apologist. Unsubscribe. You know, sometimes I am, but I just <laughs> like no. I loved the books. Well, I don't want to say I loved the books because I had a hard time with the first book, and I really wasn't sure I was going to read the second book. And then when I read the second book, there was a lot going on in my life. I had heart surgery for the first time, and okay. uh, <laughs> like I was just trying to struggle through the year. So I didn't really have a good time with the Storm of Swords. But then by the time I had gotten to A Feast of Crows, I was like, well, this book is really great. And I honestly may be out of sync because I can't remember if um, – a Clash of Kings came before A Feast for Crows, but Feast for Crows, in my mind, was really great. And I, I'm kind of an odd person out on that one, but I just think it focused on, like, a handful of characters, except of the usual, you know. Every chapter is written according to a different character. And yeah. uh, I can see where his work is appealing, um, and especially in the, you know, again, the character and the world-building and the world-driven sense, but... I, and I love his mythologies. He makes, you know, religion work. Yeah, all that. And, yeah, all that stuff is great. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm not uh, disagreeing with anything. Yeah, so. it, but you're right. It is just like reading a history of you know particular things that happened in Europe and in the Mediterranean and yeah. the Middle East and in in Northern Africa, Egypt, those areas. Sure. And also Asia, you know, he took so much mythology. And so I get it. It's appealing in that way. Um, but as far as the books go, um, it, it definitely is. They are hard reads. I mean, they're involved. There's a lot going on. And, you know, there are so many minor characters that are named in similar ways to some of the major characters, you know. And in the show, they had to change those. <laughs> so you would be able to tell oh, the really? characters apart. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you know, maybe you know. I think I don't. I didn't get to Feast the Crows, but or maybe I started it. But I just feel like if I have to read two thousand pages to get to the good stuff, it's taking too long. I mean, I'm thinking of all the other great books out there that exist that I could have read mm-hmm. instead. Right. And, you yeah, know. and that's the thing. You don't have to waste your time on a book you don't like. Yeah, you know, I think if less people or if more people started you know, putting down books they didn't like when they didn't like them and moving on to, you know, a better book. Like, you shouldn't have to challenge yourself to get through a book. And I think a lot of people think they do because it's a point of pride. But you don't have to torture yourself that way. Yeah, you don't like a book despite everybody loving it or, you know, whatnot, then if it doesn't do it for you, it doesn't do it for you. I don't listen to an album further than one or two songs generally if I don't like what they've got to offer. You know, I was, you know, Sometimes you miss something good, but in most cases, you're not really missing anything because you're just going to find something else to read or another band to listen to or something like that. Yeah. So don't yeah. waste your time on bad books. Just yeah. don't do it. All, yeah, although sometimes, uh, surprisingly, on rare occasions, uh, you get to the very end and it just changes everything. And yes. the, the best example of that is Life of Pi. Uh, 
I, I, I won't, I'll, I'll try not to spoil anything, but I was reading Life yeah, of Pi. I, I was <laughs> reading, yeah, okay, yeah, well, I, I was reading Life of Pi, and I, you know, I was getting through it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's pretty good, but I, I didn't really see what was so great about it. I'm like, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and I was like almost to the end, and I was like, I, I really don't see what's such a big deal about this book. And then like two pages, two, three pages to the end, and like the last two pages, I was like, oh my God, like I just realized why this book is so great. And um, so you really got to, you really got to read the whole book to, to get it, you know, okay. it's really yeah. good. So don't quit on Life of Pi if it seems boring or whatever, not interesting. Okay. You got to, you got to, and there are some books like that where you got to get to the end. Um, anyway, so I think we're closing in on our time frame. I, I want to make it like an hour long. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about just real quick some of our favorite books, and then um, you know, and then the next time we can maybe talk about a specific book that that we both read, and we can discuss it. Um, so my favorite book of all time is *The Once and Future King* by T. H. White. Um, and I did read it in high school, but I just bawled like a baby. Like there was just a moment <laughs> in it. Not even yeah, because baby. it's sad. Not even because it's sad. Just, there was a very emotional, powerful moment in that book that just made me cry. And, yeah. um, I, and I, just, I just love it. And it's actually written very similarly to, to, uh, uh, to, to A Game of Thrones. But I, I, just, I just really, really like that book a lot. And then I also like uh, Dune, another one of my favorite books. That's probably more in a lot of people's favorites. The Grapes of Wrath, mm-hmm. we, we talked about that. Um, the most recent book that's on my top list is uh, Cloud Atlas. Really love uh-huh. Cloud Atlas. A lot of people haven't read it, but it's great. It's great. Uh, although, I don't think a lot of people would enjoy Cloud Atlas because it's... it's uh, I think if you're a literary snob, you'll, you'll probably enjoy it more, you know? I mean, I mean, you know, th- there's passages that are just in French for some reason, and oh. you just have to kind of, you just have to kind of infer what he means. The guy creates his own language. I mean, it's the, the guy's, he's a, ge- like, you know, like how many times you read a book cover and they're like, this author is a genius, and you're like, yeah, whatever. The, the guy who wrote Claude Alice, his name is David Mitchell. No, he is a, ge- that guy is legit. He is a genius. So, but I, no, I don't think he's for everybody. But anyway, but uh, the, the 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 now the book I think we'll both agree on Frankenstein. Love Frankenstein. Yeah, I, was, I love Frankenstein. That is. But a I like the Once in Future King as well. So I okay, good. Actually, okay, Dune is one of my favorite novels too. Okay, so uh, would you say it's in yeah. your top ten? Dune, yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. Yeah, Dune is definitely in my top ten. Dune. Okay. And then, uh, and I Dracula is my favorite book. Everybody hears me go on and on about that. Yeah. But, uh, I like I, love... I like Frankenstein better than Dracula, but but I like Dracula too. I, I, you know. No, I love Frankenstein. It was really really good. I mean, I can't. I mean, I was pretty hooked to it. I I couldn't put it down. So I read it. I think in only a couple of days. It's and... a really good book, and I think the movies do not do it justice. Like the popular, the popular. Uh, um, conception of Frankenstein it's almost like a like a joke you know compared to like <laughs> the actual book I'm, like I've never I've never seen a Frankenstein movie the only Frankenstein movie I've ever seen is <laughs> young right right okay yeah but I'm just saying like young Frankenstein is yeah. making is making fun of the mo- all yes. the movie representations yes. um, it's not making fun of the book it's making fun of the, the all the cinematic representations of Frankenstein, which I really yeah. feel is, is not, um, uh, oh, yeah. you know, like it, 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 it does not reflect the book, you know, at all, which, which is sad. Like, I, I feel like people need to read Frankenstein. Uh, but yeah. anyway, um, and then my favorite fantasy novels, and I think we have some overlap here, uh, Love the Neverending Story, uh, mm-hmm. amazing book. And I love the last unicorn, like you. Yeah, um, that's definitely in my my top. I'll have to throw in the Hobbit. I think it's better than yes. Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry to the say, the Hobbit is my one of my favorites too. I, it's definitely in my top ten. Th- there's way too much. Go- I'm sorry, I love Tolkien, but there's so much goddamn 
descriptions of, of trees and <laughs> mountains and hills and rivers and rocks and like, okay, great, but can we get on with it? Like, can we just get to where we're going? There's so much of that. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I read the Silmarillion, which people say is impossible to get through, but I read the Silmarillion and, and I enjoyed that. And there are parts of the Silmarillion that move faster than Lord of the Rings. I, I don't know. The, there's some beautiful uh, stories. Yeah, I've never made it. Never made it through the Silmarillion. Okay. <laughs> I know there are people that have done it, but no, what you, I, I haven't been able to. What you have well. to do yeah. is you have to skip the boring parts and just read like Baron the Luthien. Just read Baron the Luthien. Read, you know, just you know what? Just read Baron the Luthien. It's beautiful. I think it might be one of Tolkien's best stories. Maybe his best story is Baron the Luthien, which is mm-hmm. couched in all of this super dense history so mm-hmm. if you just read ba- and, I, and and his uh his son christopher actually published bear the luthien separately which i think was a brilliant idea because it, it's sad because you have this beautiful story that's lost in this really impenetrable to get through uh text you know that is the mm-hmm. Silmarillion. so i recommend reading bear luthien but but like i said the never ending uh, lord of the rings hard to get through I, I just I like The Hobbit better, but uh, but I also like Lord of the Rings. I'm not knocking it too much. Yeah, I, um, love, I love The Hobbit. Yeah, I definitely great. read it several times, and uh, <laughs> uh, that and um, I'm gonna reread The Last Unicorn. It seems to be like a year of rereads in some aspects. Just old stuff is nice again, and um, just comforting after the terrible time we've all had for the last. Sure, you know, sure, and, and uh, yeah, and, and I, uh, yeah. And I think that just yeah. speaks to the type of reader you know that I am because those are very romantic uh, books. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Never and mm-hmm. Last Unicorn particularly are like heavily romantic, very poetically written. And they're very symbolic. They're very metaphorical. Um, and you know, if you like that sort of thing, then you know you you like you know you you know the type of the reader that I am. You know, um, mm-hmm. but but I can you know, but I enjoy all kinds of things. So. Um, anyway, so that's uh, that's my list. Did you want to talk about just go through the the books you love other than Dracula, or real quick? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King. Okay, is, that's recent. That's a recent one. Yeah, that's more recent. Okay. It, it was absolutely. I loved it. I I just really? I loved okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did. I just I don't know. I thought. I don't know. It just had a great story. Um, it was a bit of a weird tale, as he does. Um, a lot of time travel aspects, uh, you know. Um, and yeah, he always has calls, callbacks to some of his other books and stuff. So, um, But I just thought, on the whole, it was just a really good, it was a sweet story. Um, it really moved me. And I just, I fell in love with the book. Uh, and it was absolutely not what I thought it was going to be. So that was a, a crazy surprise. The title just it just wasn't exactly right. what you sure. know you had thought it was gonna. So I just really felt you know it was the first time I was taken aback by a book you know that had really surprised me in a very okay. very long time. Okay, great. So I had I loved that, and then I love uh, My Name Is Red by Orhan Pamiuk. Okay, and uh, it's. It was an award-winning book, but it takes place, you know, uh, in the Middle East, uh, and um, I'm a very, uh, you know, it just, a lot of people would probably hate the writing because it, it is very, very detailed, and I think he really puts you into the setting when he's sure in there and it's also kind of a murder mystery as well okay. but it's it's also a very romantic story i would say it's very much romantic like uh the once in future king so oh, it's, okay. it's written okay. in the same vein it definitely oh, is and it's one of my favorite books that was just it fell into my lap one day then, <laughs> I, might, then, then I, I might enjoy it you know because yeah really, you may enjoy that I'm, book i'm a sucker and, uh, for this sort of thing. yeah and then um yeah, well, the, another one I love is Let the Right One In okay. by John Ivy Linkfist. So another vampire story, but okay. again, that's my thing. So hey, nothing wrong with our with a, you know whatever we. Yeah. Okay. No, but 
Yeah, these are all scary books, some of them, you know, they're, but again, it's another book that just deals with some really, like, dark stuff, and, you know, sure. it doesn't involve children, so I have a lot of warning there about it. It can be a very extreme story to read, um, and I think the movie, you know, especially the one, I believe it was the Swedish version, was very, very good, um, okay. and the, the U.S. version, uh, tried to be as good as the Swedish version, but failed in a lot of ways. But they all, you know, kind of swerved past uh, some of the darker things that had been happening in the book, which I totally understand because the Swedish film is already dark enough. You don't need to really bring some of the darker aspects into it, but it can kind of be a scary book. Um, But it was very, very good. He's a very good writer. Um, you know, and I think there's a sense of vindication at the end of the book. Sure, sure. So. Okay. All righty. Well, th- I think that's good. And um, so I'm Nick, and uh, I'm here with uh, Heather, and this is our very first, uh, uh, well, you know, after years yeah. of trying. Well, this is yeah. our, very, our very first uh, podcast. And, uh, ho- yeah, we did it. And hopefully uh, some somebody out there will find this interesting. And we will be back with a more focused uh, uh, podcast uh, about uh, a book we enjoyed. And we'll talk about it and maybe go off on a bunch of crazy tangents, probably. And uh, but uh, but, you know, as long as we, you know, you enjoyed it, uh, subscribe to our to our podcast. Give us us some likes. Yeah. Give us share. Yeah, we'll be begging soon. Okay. All right. So, so, okay. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Thanks thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Heather, for doing this. Thanks. Bye. (laughs)